Hi, this is Eric Ludi for the Daily Thunder Podcast. If you are enjoying these messages and want to take these truths even deeper, I invite you to join us in Windsor, Colorado at Ellerslie for one of our upcoming five-week or week-long discipleship training programs. Ellerslie's discipleship training has been designed to ignite your spiritual fire and to give you the tools for a Christianity that really works. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Welcome back to Daily Thunder, and we are in the middle of our mini-series called Impacting Others for Eternity. In our first episode, we talked about the importance of going after the souls that God has placed in our life and not just becoming so preoccupied with our own busyness and our own lives that we forget to fulfill the Great Commission. And it's something we can respond to. It's a call that we can respond to no matter our circumstances, our age, our limitations. In the last episode, we talked about the fact that what God calls us to, he equips us for. So even if we're dealing with feelings of inadequacy, it is not our job to win souls or to be the miracle worker, but to get in step with Jesus Christ. Today, in this episode, we're going to look at some practical ways that we can reach lost souls. And the first point that is very critical is for us to understand the battle, the battle over souls today. And I mentioned in the first episode that approximately 150,000 people die every day without knowing Jesus Christ, which is a very sad and sobering reality. And there's bad news and there's good news when it comes to reaching lost souls. The bad news is that the enemy is ruthlessly going after them. I think a lot of times, I've especially seen this like in youth ministry, when we're trying to reach people and be culturally relevant, we tend to come in with a very casual approach. We just want to kind of be buddy-buddy and kind of speak a few edifying things to them and entertain them a lot and maybe slip in a little truth here and there. And we fail to recognize that there is a life or death battle for eternity raging over their souls, and the enemy is not approaching them casually. He is going after them aggressively, and that is why we as believers need to go after souls just as aggressively. The good news is, though, that God's power is greater than all the power of the enemy, and he has equipped us with that power. We have power over all the power of the enemy as children of God when we are in Christ, which is so amazing. But I love the approach that William and Catherine Booth took called aggressive Christianity, not just kind of being passive and casual about winning souls, but really being proactive and purposeful and going after the souls with this fervor and this urgency because eternity hangs in the balance. I remember watching a documentary once about a group of teens from a suburb of Atlanta. And this happened in the 90s, but these teens were all in church every Sunday. They were from Christian homes and they were going to churches on the weekends. But during the week, they had this really secret life that no one knew about of just extreme immorality. And it was very, very dark. And the only reason anybody found out about it is because disease had started to spread among these teens and the health department had to come in. And suddenly they uncovered just this secret life. And it showcase that stark contrast between the way that 
the churches were going after these young people, just kind of entertain them and sing songs to them and have parties with them. And yet behind the scenes, the enemy was going after them so relentlessly and pulling them into this darkness, this pit of darkness that could totally destroy their lives. And it was a real wake-up call, especially for the parents and leaders of that community. Hey, we are approaching these young people way too casually, and we need to not make that same mistake. The one thing I have noticed in the past 25 plus years of speaking and traveling and speaking truth very boldly into people's lives, as Eric and I have been called to do, is that there is often a real hunger in people's hearts for truth. And sometimes it's the people you least expect would have a hunger in their hearts for truth. Like young people, teens. I remember the first time that Eric and I were invited to speak to a group of teens in Colorado at this large church in Boulder those teens didn't want to be there. They didn't want to hear what we had to say. They were sort of glaring at us as we came in. We we're going to speak to them on godly relationships and purity. Well, they had their boyfriends, their girlfriends. They didn't want anybody rocking the boat of how they were living. We got up there and just spoke bold truth. And it was a two-night event. I remember just being so stressed out and wanting to get out of there and not wanting to be there because I felt like they didn't want to receive what we had to say. But at the end of the second night, it was the very end, and Eric was giving a time where people could respond. If, if the Spirit of God was moving on their hearts and convicting them of sin and asking them to turn this area of their life over to Jesus Christ, that they could respond. I was playing the piano sort of as background music, and I didn't really want to be there. I just kept looking at the exit sign. I want to get out of here. But then I looked up from the piano and all over the auditorium, I saw these young people on their faces weeping and giving their lives fully to Jesus Christ. They were so ready to respond to truth. And it was a real wake-up call for me to recognize, wow, sometimes the people we least expect are going to respond are the ones that are most hungry and eager. And I remember one of the young women told me afterwards, we have been waiting our whole lives for people to speak truth like this to us. Just nobody ever thought we were capable of hearing it. We were just waiting for someone to raise that standard of truth. And that was a very profound experience for me. They said, we were just waiting for someone to show us a better way. A lot of people in your life have that same hunger. You may not even realize that hunger is in them. They are waiting for someone to show them a better way because most people who are entrenched in sin are miserable in their sin. They might act like they love it. They might distract them for a time, but inwardly they are miserable and their hearts are crying out for truth. We are the ones that have what their hearts are seeking. After we understand the battle, we also need to understand the opportunity. There is an amazing harvest field around us right now. It's an incredible opportunity. And I remember when I was first coming to grips with the cause of orphans around the world, that there are millions and millions, countless millions of orphans that need advocates. I remember being overwhelmed by that. And God's answer to me as I said, how could we ever make a difference when there's like 143 million orphans in the world? And his answer to us was, start with one. And I was taken aback by that because I thought, well, that's not making a very big dent in 143 million orphans. And yet, as we took the step to stand for one of these children in need, we gained the heart of God for all the individual children in need around the world. Rather than seeing a big number, a big statistic, we began to tap into the heart of God because he sees each individual soul and each life, each soul is so precious to him. Now, when it comes to winning souls and reaching others with the gospel, can reaching one person Person. Say it's a soul, your next door neighbor, or someone you meet on the street, or a coworker, or someone in your own family. How big a difference can that really make when there's 150,000 people dying every day without knowing Jesus? 
Eric gave a message a number of years ago called the Gospel Challenge and just did a little math of talking about the multiplication of the gospel and the possibilities if we were to take the Great Commission seriously. And this is what he came to. If 200 believers won one soul a month to Christ over the next seven years and then discipled those new believers to go and do the same. So 200 people winning one soul a month, then discipling them, and then those converts go and they win souls for Christ. What would the church look like after seven years? If every three months, 200 believers won one soul to Christ and then discipled these new believers to go into the same, what might the church look like over these next seven years? So there's different scenarios. We're going after souls in a very purposeful, strategic way. But this was the math that he came up with. In year one, there would be 3,000 new believers. That's pretty impressive. And if the pattern continued and those were winning to Christ or going out there and multiplying and others are being brought into the kingdom at that rate— 48,000 new believers would come into the kingdom in year two. In year three, 768,000 new believers. So we're talking about incredible multiplication here. In year four, 12 million, over 12 million. In year five, over 196 million. And the entire population of Mexico, Central America, and the Caribbean total roughly, roughly 196 million. So suddenly you're reaching entire countries or people groups with the gospel. In year six, it's over 3 billion, which is just under half the entire population of the world. And in year seven, about four months into the seventh year, the number of new believers would crest the number of people on earth, 7.13 billion. Now, that is incredible. Now, of course, there are a lot of factors beyond our control. You can't always guarantee that you're going to win one soul a month or one soul every two, three months, or that those people are going to go and win souls. But if we all took that proactive of a role in fulfilling the Great Commission, it is incredible to think that even if just a little bit of this multiplication happened, how much of the world could be reached, how difference, how big of a difference we can make. And that's with starting with just a small group of Christians who are going after one soul every month or every two months or every three months. I love this quote from Catherine Booth because she talked about gaining God's burden for lost souls. It's really easy to just get so caught up in our own busyness, our own life distractions, and not really feel the burden, the seriousness of those who are lost. And this is what she said. She was speaking to a group of women, but it could easily be applied to men as well. Will you be encouraged, my sister or brother? Never mind trembling. I trembled. Never mind your heart beating. Mine beat nearly through. Never mind how weak you are. He loves to use the weak things that the excellency of God may be seen. If your neighbors were sick of some devastating plague and you could go and help them, would you not do it? Would you say, I'm a woman. I cannot go. Or you could fill in the blank there. I'm a child. I'm an elderly person. Person. I'm a busy worker in, a, in this company, whatever it might be, I cannot go. No, you would say, let me go, like Miss Nightingale did to the sick and wounded soldiers, let me go. And these are not the bodies, but the souls. They are dying. They are going to an eternal death. Will you not rise up? Wow, what a challenge to our souls. And if you feel that your heart is cold and hard toward the, the urgency of fulfilling the Great Commission, towards the seriousness of these lost souls, ask God to give you his burden for those souls. And that is a prayer that he delights to answer. It's not a burden in the sense where you're just so weighed down and bogged down by it, but it's you feel the seriousness of it and you feel the importance of it and you stop putting it on the back burner and it becomes a focal point in your life. And that's a work that God can do in our hearts through his enabling grace. So we understand the battle, understand the opportunity, and thirdly, prepare our own soul. 
We need to recognize that when we say yes to God's call to go after souls, we are entering a battleground. So if you go into a battleground trying to have a picnic instead of fight a battle, you're going to be knocked off your feet as soon as you start. But if you go in ready for battle, armed with the spiritual weapons that God has given you, you will have the strength to be more than a conqueror, no matter how challenging the work might be. And so if you're preparing your own soul, First and foremost, understand that it's not going to be easy. Don't expect easy. In the first episode of the series, I talked about Frank Jenner, who would witness to 10 people a day on George Street in Sydney, Australia. And even after 28 years, he always said that it was not easy for him to be a street evangelist. A street evangelist. He always got sort of nervous and uncomfortable, but he would stand on that scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Even after 28 years, it was hard. It was a sacrifice. It was a battlefield for him. Also, close off enemy access points in your life. Do not allow those habitual sins to build up where the enemy can wreak havoc in your own life because that will be a hindrance to your ability to reach soul reach souls and let God purify your motives. Don't get into ministry to others for self-glory or for self-fulfillment. Do it for his glory alone. The fourth practical is not to underestimate prayer. Again, all throughout this series, we've been talking about the importance of getting in step with God. We cannot expect to be the ones to win souls or convince people of truth. Only the Spirit of God can do that, and our job is to get out of the way and let them see Him. And prayer is such an important role in that. And I often say to people, if you are mentoring someone or evangelizing to someone or or speaking truth into someone's life, the time that you spend in prayer ahead of time, that the soil of their hearts would be prepared, that you would be guided in the words that you are going to be speaking is so much more important than the actual meeting itself. So whether you know in advance who you're going to be ministering to or you don't, you can still lay the foundation with wrestling prayer that God would guide and lead and the enemy would be kept at bay in those conversations. It says in John, in 1 John 5, 16, this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life. This is a direct promise when we are burdened for the state of someone's soul. We are to go directly to God and plead our case and wrestle in prayer on behalf of that person's soul and God will hear and answer. When we see compromise in someone's life or sin in someone's life or the fact that they don't know Christ, prayer should be our first turn. We often want to rush in there with our brilliant debate skills and try to convince them of what's right. But, and sometimes we even, we, sometimes we even feel, fall into the trap of anger and criticism and harshness because we're so frustrated with how blind they are. But as it says in James 1.20, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So if we're going in there with anger or flesh, we're not going to win anyone for Christ. Remember this, Prayer is a far more powerful weapon than our words will ever be. Prayer is the tool that prepares the soil of a person's soul so that they can truly hear and receive truth. Wrestle in prayer for the souls that you have a burden for. Hudson Taylor said this, Perhaps if there were more of that intense distress for souls that leads to tears, we should more frequently see the results we desire. Sometimes it may be that while we are complaining of the hardness of the hearts of those we are seeking to benefit, the hardness of our own hearts and our feeble apprehension of the solemn reality of eternal things may be the cause of our true want of success. Let God put his burden on your heart and begin to wrestle in prayer for souls. And then God will break your heart for them. You won't fall into that trap of just becoming selfish and self-focused when you're wrestling in prayer for other souls. And then 
Another key truth is to lead by example. People cannot just hear your convictions spoken. They need to see your convictions lived out. Studies show that close to 80% of church young people leave their faith by the time they're a sophomore in college, mostly because they haven't seen Christianity that really works. They haven't seen it lived out. A lot of times they've gone to church, but they haven't actually seen victorious Christian living in anyone's life. And when we are willing to lead by example and go after Jesus personally with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and go after his victory and begin to live that out in front of others, they begin to see a Christianity that really works. 1 Timothy 4.12 commands us to set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and purity. The example that we set is far more important than the words that we speak. Of course, the words we, we speak are important, but they have to be underscored with our life. When I was speaking one time on stage, Eric and I both were, to a large group of young people right in the middle of our seminar, somebody pulled the fire alarm and we had to evacuate hundreds of young people and we're out in the parking lot in the cold at night. And when we finally got back in, after our event was done, this, this young girl said to me, everything you said on stage was so powerful, but when I saw how you handled that crisis, it made all of the words that you spoke for, on, on stage ring true for me. I knew I could trust those words. And I was so thankful that I had set a good example because I didn't know what I was doing in that time. I could see myself really making a mistake with that. But because of God's grace, she saw good fruit out of my life in that moment of testing. And it underscored the words I was speaking from the stage. The last key point for reaching souls practical ways to reach souls is to blend truth with humility. I love the example that the Apostle Paul sets because he is very bold and confident in saying, follow me as I follow Christ, and being very bold to speak truth, uncompromising truth to all the churches, all the people that he's discipling. And yet he also has an amazing humility. He talks about the fact that he's the least of all the disciples. He says, I have not already attained. I have not already been made perfect. So there's this beautiful blend of, of boldness and humility blended together in the life of a Christian. And that is what God has called us to, not to just be arrogant in our boldness or not to be so self-effacing and humble that we fail to speak truth boldly, but to blend humility and truth together. And I have found one of the best ways to do this is to share my own story. Rather than just bursting in there with a big fiery lecture, to share how God has worked in my own life. That is one of the most powerful ways to speak really bold truth into someone's life without them knowing that you're doing it. Because when you're sharing your own story, you can take on that humility of saying, this is where God is taking me. This is what God is teaching me. No matter who you are reaching out to, remember this, the root problem is always the same, sin. And the true solution is always the same, Jesus Christ. And that can be just such a blessing as we're seeking to deal with people that we think, I don't know how to relate to this person's struggle. I've never been through a struggle like this before. When you recognize that every problem really stems back to sin and every solution stems back to Jesus Christ, that can be such a freeing feeling. Remember, whatever God calls you to, he will equip you for. So even if you find yourself in a situation where you don't know what to say, cry out to him. He will give you the words to speak. Ask him to give you his burden for souls. Begin to wrestle in prayer for those souls. Understand the battle, understand the opportunity, and let your heart say a predecided yes, Lord, when it comes to winning souls. God bless. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. 
Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.